You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Drive Time Show. It is a Tuesday and it's the 26th of July, and I am very happy to be here uh, presenting the Drive Time Show with with Zakaria today. Zakaria, how are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm doing great, actually. Um, the weather is perfect. I mean, not too hot, not too cold. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm especially uh, seeing you again and being able to present with you. It feels even better. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And the feelings are mutual. So actually, when you talk about being able to present together, the topic that we're discussing today is mosques and abode of peace. And we'll really get into this subject because this is the only subject that we are going to be talking about in the next two hours. Mm-hmm. And I think when the producers got together, we thought about it because this is such an important subject. Indeed. And why not then spend the time we have today with you uh, for the Drive Time show to spend the whole two hours discussing this programme. And also, you know, if you want to get involved with us, get in touch the normal way, give us a call on 0208-687-7878 or reach out to us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK, all on uh, Twitter, uh, TikTok, you name it. But actually, there is a question that we're asking our listeners on Instagram. I mean, if you can fill in those details, and because we're asking you, how does it feel to pray in a mosque? And I'm sure uh, all of our listeners, and we exactly have an audience all over the world, yeah. and uh, our guest speakers who come and contribute to our program are from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And there'll be no different today either. We have people from all over the world joining in today at various times throughout the two hours to talk about their experiences, what a mosque does in mm-hmm. their area and how it feels. But actually, it will be great if you participated in this as well so we can read out some of your comments that you have put in today. So, Zakaria, a very technical opening to this subject. I'll ask you the question because it'll be very interesting to know and learn from our listeners. The word mosque, yeah. where does it actually come from? It's an Arabic word, right? It is an Arabic word. And uh, the word mosque itself comes from... Uh, uh, in Arabic, as you yeah. said, and uh, in it says in Arabic, you, the word is used as masjid. Um, so this word masjid um, is a root word. The, the root word of it is sajada, which means prostration. Mm. So you know, the main reason why we go to the mosque is so that we can, you know, uh, worship God Almighty and prostrate, of course. Um, you know, indicating towards a place where one prostrates. Mm. You know, mosques uh, is a place for people to congregate uh, in complete humility and submission to worship God Almighty. So, you know, this is the reason why we congregate, why we, you know, gather, uh, you know, the purpose of worshipping God Almighty. And is is this a similar concept for other religions as well? Because when you look at temples, synagogues, gurdwaras and other holy places, they also name their uh, Mm -hmm. places of worship. But this is still a very similar meaning to go to prostrate. Yeah, indeed. I mean, the the prostration is something... Yeah. Which is is pretty much found in, you know, um, in all religions. 
you know uh, of course Islam is a religion that has united all the movements that previous religions have done but uh, you know prostration is something that is found in in the Bible as well where it's been mentioned that you know uh, Jesus fell in in, in prostration mm. for for prayers in, fr- in in front of God yeah. and you know other occasions as well where it's mentioned that yeah. in in the prophets they've been prostrating for you know for the worship of God almighty um but also uh, you know the, the the purpose of you know man's creation mm is also that we can worship God Almighty and so that we can recognize and follow his you know guidance yeah. uh, in the holy quran there is a verse uh, in chapter 51 verse 57 which says wa ma khalaqtul jinna wal insa illa which means and i have not created the jinn and the men but that they may worship me hmm. interesting you talk about that uh, the specific um, verse because it, the main use of a mosque is is for the prayers the five daily prayers yes indeed indeed so you know the five day so that we can congregate we can come together mm. and then you know worship our creator it's interesting also we're talking about the subject and also the daily prayers because when we talk about the five pillars of islam yeah prayer or salat yeah is is one of them and exactly. that is what established uh, mosques are, are there for yeah I mean the five pillars um as you know uh one of the five pillars is the prayer mm. and you know that's why it it completes your faith you know when if you miss one of the pillars of course um without any reason and prayer is something that is done by everyone uh, even if you have to uh you know even if you're extremely ill and you have to lay down and you're on your bed as mm. well even you know, without making uh you know any movement you can pray yeah. The other thing that really fascinates me when we talk about this subject is that the the prayer is offered all over the world. Yes. 24/7 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter where. So we're here in the United Kingdom mm-hmm. and at the moment it's four o'clock, probably approaching Asunamaz. But actually across the other side of the world Asunamaz is not being read there. Yeah. So when it's their time to read us say in Australia, mm-hmm. we'll be asleep. So yeah. the whole of the world although you can do extra prayers at night time but effectively these five daily prayers are read all over the world 24 hours a hmm. day constantly hmm yeah it's it's been read uh, constantly and you know uh, there is a hadith and saying of the holy prophet peace and blessings will be upon him where it's been said that the the worship um is uh, it this is in my own words of course uh, that you know for your believers uh, oh holy prophet peace and blessings be upon him your um believers will be able to pray wherever they can so everywhere they don't have to specifically go to the mosque but the mosque is a place where it reminds us that we have to pray and of course congregate and according to the holy quran the first house of worship was founded by uh, prophet adam uh, peace be upon him Uh, in the heart of the Arabian Arabian Peninsula, which is also known uh, today as the Kaaba uh, in Saudi Arabia, mm. and in regards to this, the Holy Quran also says that um, you know surely the first house founded for mankind is that at Becca, abounding in blessings and guidance for all people. So you know, the Becca was the the earliest name of of Mecca, um, mm. and and that's where. 
the Kaaba is found, and and, and with the passage of time, of course, the Kaaba was you know reduced to the uh, you know if you look at the history, you know it was it had ma- many rulers had it, and um, there was a time when it was reduced to ruins, and its religious significance was also neglected. Um, but then God Almighty, you know, decreed that mankind should be united under one belief, uh, and 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 He raised uh, Prophet Abraham, um, who was the, um, the founding father of 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 the uh, all the prophets, um, um, you know, monotheistic prophets. You know, yeah, that's right. They also call him like the patriarch. Yeah, they? yeah, yeah, and. Uh, just, yeah, so just a point of clarification, you talk about the Kaaba, the Becca, all, all, all of the, the establishment of where all the Muslims face. For our listeners who may not be fully aware of this Kaaba, it's actually the black square box that you yeah. see all these beautiful imagery of mm-hmm. and in pictures and photography of people walking around this black box and <clears throat> their worshiping daughter so that there although we see it today depicted as the muslim world um or the muslim ummah who worship towards it face it but as you've mentioned in the history it goes far back as as Hazrat Adam, Allah be pleased with him, and then yeah. it was resurrected mm. and uh, and came back to life. So it's the same place from the beginning of, I guess, mankind is where it's still being, uh, still being a centre of worship. Yeah, it's it's the same, but our belief is different, of course. Yes. Uh, the mankind did not start from Hazrat Adam because. You know, there were, if you look at Adam, pretty much six, six or seven thousand years ago, you know, he was born. But then mankind has been, you know, with us. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when we talk about Adam, we talk about he was a prophet. He was a prophet. Uh, and being a prophet, it had to be people. Right? Yes. Yes. Exactly. And in the way God guides people um, is, you know, he was the first person to build a building, hmm. which was for the pers- purpose of of of, of worship. Fantastic. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about that in, in the show and we'll delve more into it in a lot more detail. But what we're going to do now is talk to our first uh, guest who is with us right now. And it's Hafiz Fazli Rabi. And he is a life devotee. He's also a senior lecturer and researcher at the Institute of Theology and Modern Languages at Al Jamia Ahmadiyya UK, and also the director of Quranic Educations and Training. And it's we're very honoured to have Hafiz Fazli Rabi join us uh, today. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, if you allow me, I would like to start off with the first question and then uh, Zakaria would come in afterwards because w- one of the fears that people have towards Muslims and mosques is that the imams might spread kind of hatred by preaching extremist views. And we've had some of this uh, come through and it's been really upsetting for people like us when these things happen. But what is the Islamic point of view regarding this hate speech? <clears throat> I think this is a quite uh, important question, mm. especially uh, this time and age. We should understand that the basis uh, of the of the religion of Islam is the Holy Quran, the revelation which was given to the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And our all 
activities of daily life, uh, individually or collectively, congregational activities are concluded or derived from the Holy Quran. And the founder of Islam, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, his character, his life is a practical demonstration or explanation of the Holy Quran. Now, in the very first part, um, part uh, there are 30 parts altogether, but if we take that as a chapter, in the second chapter, Surah Al-Baqarah, verse number 84, very clearly this commandment is given to us that Qulu lin nasi husna. Now, these are the three words, but it is a very profound commandment and statement. Here it says, speak gently, beautifully, not to the Muslims, not to your fellow beings or your tribal people, but the word has been used, nas, which covers all that. And the word husna means that statement, that kind of speech, which is beautiful and which is uh, well-balanced. Mm. Because the husn, the beautification, is only when it is uh, uh, well-balanced and it is beautiful in, uh, in uh, listening to and its impact on human mind. And the word anas, the whole of the humankind, the whatever, and here it does, doesn't matter that from which religion the other people belong to, which nation, which gender or color, it is a universal to all that one. And as I mentioned that uh, the Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he was a practical demonstration of the Islamic teachings, the Quranic teachings, his explanations. We find many examples. Mm. One example I like to quote, that in Medina, uh, the state of Medina, where the Prophet was uh, the ruler of uh, Islamic society, uh, the Christian people came from a far place to have a dialogue that, and that dialogue was made in uh, the Prophet Mosque, the Masjid Nabi. And he not only uh, made a dialogue there for a, several hours, but also allowed them to worship uh, God in, in that mosque. Mm. So Masjid is a, that platform, that mosque, where the education and training is given. And uh, as I mentioned, that if we follow the teaching of uh, Islam, it says that our speech should be with uh, beauty and uh, well-balanced, and this is for all that one. Now, the Muslim community, our message throughout to all the people is that, that love for all, hated for none. And we have more than 125 years history, and there is not even single incident in our history that uh, from our platforms, from our mosque, any hate speech, any uh, unkind words have been uttered by people. Our mosques are open and uh, for, uh, for everyone, especially basically we also hold a open day uh, yearly or from time to time. Mm. So it is open to all and all uh, we advocate the message of tolerance, love, affection, because it is important that if there is a head speech and we are the missionary movement, how can a Muslim can preach or can advocate uh, his message, message of peace to others 
if uh, it uh, you know uh, our speech is is uh, yeah. with the hate mm-hmm. so it is important that we should understand the quranic teaching as i mentioned to chapter 2 verse number 84 and there are several others but this is very important because this is a universal with the word annas means the whole of humankind Excellent. That's very, that's so clear. And it's also rightly because many of our mosques in the United Kingdom and across the world, and this specific to the Ahmadiyya Muslim Association, is that when you say that they're open, the fact that we have many peace symposiums and we have very strong relationships with the enforcement officers from the police is very clear. And our local councillors and our mayors is very open. There's nothing there that is behind closed doors, uh, which is very important. So over to you. Yeah. Um, Jazakallah, Hafsa, um, for your um, you know answer. Uh, was a very um, interesting answer. Uh, going to the um, uh, in, w- w- when we look at the mosques, some of them, you know, uh, th- th- you can see radicalism in it as well. So, you know, which role do mosques play when uh, in terms of prevention of any type of radicalism? Yeah, again, you see the the, the uh, verse which I quote, chapter two, verse number eighty-four. We know that the mosque is. Uh, is a very uh, important role to play in our congregational is a collective life of Islam. This is not only the center of worship, center of education, center of training, center of culture, center of counseling to solve the social issues. Also, you know, it means that there are several uses of uh, the mosque. And these all roles can only be done when we have a balanced uh, approach to all that one and we find that in uh, in our uh, in mosques there is no concept of uh, any um, any uh, any poverty or richness or uh, any color or gender it is for all that one mm-hmm. and to eradicate the radicalism or radicalization the role of imam is very very important and imam and every reader of the holy quran from the very beginning when we open the holy quran it is on uh, the second page is in the beginning of surah al-baqarah and one of the attributes of the believers it has been mentioned there that alladhina yu'minuna walladhina yu'minuna bima that those who are righteous god-fearing people they believe in whatever what is revealed to the Prophet Muhammad and what has been revealed before him. If we do not uh, understand and study the previous scriptures, how we can act upon or, or be a, a recipient mm-hmm. of the blessings of, uh, of this commandment. So it is important that uh, our Imam and uh, as a community members, we should have a study of uh, other re- uh, religions as well, comparative theology, and come to the, the social values, the common social values. And uh, as I mentioned in uh, one chapter, that ta'avun taqwa, that we have been enjoined to share and to extend a hand of cooperation in the matters of uh, good and righteousness. We find that, uh, um, as I mentioned, that the role of Imam is very, very important because he is the central figure 
to direct the minds and of the people to a certain direction. And if we look all uh, the message of Islam, which is basically means of peace, and also a masjid, which is the meaning of uh, a, a center or place of prostration, the submission. Now, MDA Muslim community is uh, very uh, important to the point is note that that we belong to or we follow one universal imam, meaning uh, the successor of the promised Messiah, a leader. Uh, through Friday sermon, this is a universal guidance is given to them all, to male and female, whatever their age. So in one direction, their education and tra- training take place in which the peace, love, tolerance, hmm. mutual cooperation, affection, yep. that message and teaching is given. Indeed, As I mentioned, that our mosque is open for all that one. Yep. So, important point is that our Jamaat is a Dishni division. If we cannot welcome others open, how yep. we can convey our message to them? So, uh, there is there's a question that I uh, you know have. Uh, you know, you said welcoming everyone. Uh, there are some people, you know, who tweet or you know on on the a- internet as well, uh, especially the non-Ahmadi Muslim women. Uh, they complain that there is a little to no space for women in the mosques, whereas uh, the main prayer rooms for the men are very spacious, um, more decorated. Um, and from an Islamic perspective, do mosques need to have a space for women? Yeah, it is important that because we find in the history of early Islam that when uh, Islamic State was uh, established in Medina after migration, the Holy Prophet very first purpose-built uh, building was the mosque in Medina, and there was a provision for uh, the for the women to come there and to offer the mosque, and it it is one uh, hadith in the one saying where the Holy Prophet enjoined the Muslims not to stop their women coming to the mosque. Mm-hmm. Now, this is upon up to the local administration of that locality that they should uh, provide a, a, a proper or suitable place for women to offer their prayers. And our community is very particular in this one, that in our mosque, all over the world, as far as possible, you know, uh, space is provided to them. And Battlefield Mosque in Morden is a is a great example for that, as we know that uh, this is the the biggest mosque in the Western Europe, and we find that anybody can can as you mentioned that uh, you know there are many open days people easily and openly can come and they can uh, they can uh, uh, testify this fact that equal place has been provided for men and women. There they have their separate entries, their uh, other suitable facilities. So um, sometime when it is uh, uh, for any other reason, logistic reasons, reasons they are unable to provide the same, but at least some provision should be made, and uh, we tolerate that one. Mm. But those who uh, do not do that one, as uh, you know, in evident in your uh, uh, this uh, question. This is due to follow the wrong uh, ideology or something not understanding the message of Islam. And they interpret the word and unfortunately in some sections and some school of thoughts this is misinterpreted and it is uh, wrongly understood. And they translate that which is a chapter 
uh, you know, uh, the women in one chapter four of the Holy Quran, that uh, the men are the rulers upon uh, women. This is totally incorrect translation and interpretation. Men are custodians for the rights of uh, women. This is a correct understanding. And if we look after their needs, and uh, the Holy Prophet has given them this uh, ijazah or this permission to come to the mosque, and especially one mentioned that there are many, many examples. One I just uh, remember that uh, once it is reported in hadith that Hazrat the Prophet of Islam, shortened the, the congregational prayer because he heard the weeping, the crying of uh, some children. So the children usually come with the women, and also sometimes, you know, he directly addressed to the, the to the women in the mosque. So the women are very, very important and equal part of the society, and all uh, they should be given uh, permission, mm-hmm. they should be facilitated to come. But uh, as I mentioned, that they have their own uh, other needs, so maybe it is not possible for them to come five times a mosque, and in the sure. early Islam, they usually come in the in the in the morning and uh, in yep. the Maghrib and Shab there. So. Encouragement is there for Islam. That's very clear. Thank you very much, uh, Hafiz Fazlir Rabi Saab. That's very eloquently explained. And thank you very much for answering our questions in in great detail as well. And it's been really appreciated. And thank you very much uh, for your time today. Aslam. Aslam. Very interesting. Yes, Um, indeed. And I just wanted to kind of ask you another question, really, based on what we've already heard, because there is so much emphasis, isn't there, on the building of mosques? Yeah. And and it's been there from the very beginning, and also in terms of when the the mosque was established, as Hafiz Fazlirabi Sahib explained in Medina, hmm. there was a a large proportion was also designated for the women to come yeah. as well mm-hmm. so but there are three fundamental reasons for building a mosque aren't there yes indeed um when you look at the the fundamental yeah. you know, reasons to build a mosque uh, the first one is uh, that a mosque is facilitates you know it facilitates and it promotes the worship of allah and you know therefore fosters a personal bond of love and devotion between man and god that's the first reason so yeah. the first in is that you know we uh, worship god almighty and we you know we build a personal connection with god and the second reason is um that it is the mosque is essential um and a, a first step towards fostering unity mm. and brotherhood amongst the people and uh, and consequently a powerful force in our endeavors to unite mankind. So it basically builds a unity because you you know you meet your brothers and sisters, yeah. uh, you ask them how they are, and and it unites basically the mankind. And the third uh, reason for a mosque uh, to be built is that it provides an effective tool for inviting people to Allah, and is you know conducive to propagation and the, the progress of Islam. So, you know, those who are not familiar to God or they are interested to learn about God and, and Islam, you know, they can come 
and the mosque is open for every single person you know they're welcome they can come and 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 and, and they can learn about yeah. about uh, uh, the mosque and the reason of building that mosque mm. i mean when you look at the mosque where we're here today in yeah. battle for the mosque um, and uh, my, if my memory serves me right, someone will be to correct me, but 2005, I think the, the stone um, was laid. Uh, when it was done, it was it kind of meets every single one of these three criteria yes. that you've mentioned. Uh, we have, even to the extreme, there are local schools here have used our halls for their examinations, mm. and we hold our peace symposiums, and, and prayers are done here uh, five times a day mm-hmm. and not so long ago uh, our beloved Khalifa Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed used to deliver his Friday sermon from here as well and the relationship that we have with the council is very strong yep. so much so that we support them and one of the things we did here was that the when we had to have the vaccination program mm. people came across the whole of London yep. to come and use this centre as a vaccination hmm. centre. So yeah, so we are, and all our mosques are fulfilling um, these fundamental reasons hmm. uh, of when we build a mosque. So although our mosques where we do our prayers, but the adjacent buildings around there offer so much more to the community. Yeah, indeed. I mean, you know, like you said, uh, all these purposes have been you know, fulfilled through the mosque, you know, uh, you know, of course, when people come and 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 they unite, they, um, they remember God Almighty and His blessings. Yeah. Um, you know, the second thing is when they unite, that the brotherhood is you know established as well. And this is also a tool to inviting others uh, to Islam and 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 also a tool for hu- humanitarian works, like you said. Uh, you know. Um, uh, the, the vaccination what happened here as well uh, during the, the 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 peak time and uh, you know thousands of people I believe thousands of people actually va- got vaccinated yeah, yeah. during mean, and the, it was continuous as it, well. it was continuous not just uh, once but a few yeah few and, times. and people were traveling from across London mm-hmm. and elsewhere to come here to get their vaccination mm. done but when we look at the early history um, even after the construction of Badullah, which is hundreds of thousands of of, of years and, and, and houses of being put together mm-hmm. till the time of our Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, who we consider as the greatest worshipper of Allah. The first mosque was built by the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and his companions, mm. and it was called um, Kuba. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to just explain that? Because... Um, it was in, in Medina, and people, when they go to Hajj, yep. again, which is one of the pillars of Islam, yep. actually, that's part of the, the Hajj, isn't the, it? it? It's a part of the Hajj as well. Um, Kuba is a, uh, you know, it's in a suburb of Medina, yeah. which is like pretty much three miles uh, 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 north of the city. And uh, this, uh, the mosque, uh, Masjid Kuba, is also called as Masjid al-Taqwa, which you know literally means the mosque of piety, um, and 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 of course this was the first mosque. But then after that, uh, a chain of mosques were built as well. Um, and in uh, in if you look at the Holy Quran in Surah Tawbah, chapter Tawbah, it is stated that a mosque that was founded upon piety from the first day is surely more worthy than thou should stand therein to lead the prayer service. So. Uh, you know, it's it's it, 
so they, it's it's a place where you you know you become humble, you uh, give everything to God Almighty, yeah. and you present yourself for anything that you need because He's the provider of you know everything. Uh, if no one is there with you, He is there uh, to stand beside you, of course. Yeah. And w- when you talk about this, this fantastic explanation, we we've been asking a question on our uh, Instagram, haven't yeah. we? And the question that we're asking is, how does it feel to pray in a mosque and we've had some answers that have already come through so based on what you've said similar answers have, have also come through um, so there is um, FA 13 Zar said um, serene um, that, I think that's quite cool and then mile 95 says peaceful um, and there are some other ones as well which is X Mawahid I mean these are some really interesting uh, names of him, but actually it's <laughs> calming and peaceful, um, and then wonderful. So we'll read some more uh, throughout the day, mm. throughout this next uh, hour and a half of our programming, and we'll share some more of those. Oh, and then there's another one um, just popped up, and it's uh, from Mel Shel- Shelf. It says the most peaceful. Mm. So that that that's quite uh, interesting. Similar theme coming through. Uh, peace is one of those really um, f- feelings that uh, that have come through quite clearly. Mm. And then uh, surreal, very similar to the first one, serene mm-hmm. uh, as well. Excellent. Okay, they're, they're they're really good stuff. Yeah. So again, moving the conversation on a little bit more, I want to again kind of pick your brains. Um, even further, is that our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, put so much importance um, on mosques and and why they were were so um, integral to to the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah uh, be upon him. Mm. And he he did, and the sunnah, these are the kind of things he did. Um, There are also hadiths as well, where we say, which are the sayings. But but in in his actions, the Holy Prophet was that the the heart was always in the mosque. I mean, everything he did, we mentioned it earlier in our conversation with Hafez Fazli Adobisab, in that everything he did was in the mosque. All his meetings, all his gatherings, all his conversations. Mm. And if any delegation that came... Mm. Um, it didn't matter if they were Muslims or non-Muslims, they came to see him. He always met them in the mosques. Mm, and yeah. I thought that, that that is quite... Again, in his own actions, he demonstrated the importance of the mosque. Importance of the mosque, yeah. So, you know, he used to unite everyone in the mosque and do everything so that, you know, even after him, the followers will always, you know, unite for many purposes, um, especially the purpose of worship in the mosque. Um I mean, he also said in the hadith. I mentioned hadith as well, didn't it? He he said uh, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that the whole earth has been made a mosque and pure for me. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? That's right? beautiful. I mean, if you look at uh, you know other religions, for example, um, it's sometimes difficult to pray at places where there are, there are no uh, you know, for example, uh, places of worship. Right, so you know, some religions they they go to a specific place to worship, but with this it means that you could literally pray anywhere you want. So you can you know make your house a you know place of worship. You know, if you're at a journey, you can whatever you can 
uh, you know, a pl- uh, find a place you can you can pray. Even whilst traveling, you can pray. So this is what it means with the whole earth is made a mosque for you. Uh, the Holy Prophet also said that, um, and this, these are his own words, that also eat and drink while you pass by the gardens of Jannah, uh, Jannah as in paradise. And one of the companions, Hazrat Abu Huraira, may Allah be pleased with him, says that I asked the Holy Prophet, O Prophet of Allah, what are the gardens of Jannah? What are the gardens um, you know, of the paradise? And the Holy Prophet replied that mosques are the gardens of Jannah. And then he asked, O Prophet of Allah, what is meant from eating and drinking from the gardens of Jannah? And he replied that it is the remembrance of Allah. And you know, in, in Arabic we use the word tasbih, uh, which is a repetitive utterances of short sentences in the praise and glorification of Allah and the poem of Allah. Um, and he explained to say, and he said that saying Subhanallah, which is, uh, which means um, the holy is Allah, Alhamdulillah, all praise beca- uh, uh, um, is for Allah. La ilaha illallah, there is no God besides Allah. And Allahu Akbar, Allah is the greatest. Saying all this is like eating and drinking from Jannah. So it's basically a spiritual, uh, like like our body needs um uh, you know, nutrition. It needs food, a physical food. But then, when it comes to um, our spirit, our soul, our soul needs spiritual food, and that is in remembrance of God Almighty through prayers, through worshiping, um, and and of course, and that is of course connected with uh, the mosque as well. Fantastic. I mean, it's really, really, really clear that. Um, this affiliation and the importance that our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, explain the importance of mosques. So let, let's um, go to our next guest who's been who has joined us, and it's uh, great to be able to talk to Imam Ijaz Ahmed from Fulda, Germany, and it's um, excellent that we have him online. Um, Assalamu alaikum, Imam Sahib. Thank you very much for joining us all the way from Germany. So, um, I know we're, we're really pushed for time, but it's really want to get as much as we can um, through uh, with our questions. So I want to get straight into our first question um, with you. It's that your residential town, uh, Fulda, which is in Germany, it's um, a Catholic capital of Germany. And, and is it Opiskul? I hopefully I pronounced that right. Uh, and then in 2019, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community built uh, Bathul Hamid Mosque there. Uh, could you please kind of share with us how was the general response while the mosque was being built? And did you face any hate crime? Because obviously when we talk about a mosque being built with all of the kind of feelings that people have around mosques, um, especially around 2019, um, in a Catholic capital of Germany, I mean, what was the kind of feelings around that time? for the question. Alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah, the construction phase of the mosque has been very successful. And many in Fulda already knew our community, and therefore there were also many positive impressions from the fellow citizens. And I remember a few weeks before the mosque opening, many people came to visit the mosque and asked when the mosque will be finished and when it will be open. Uh, it felt like the citizens of Fulda were also waiting for the opening of the mosque. But 
you mentioned it. Uh, unfortunately, we had also to experience some hate, for example, during the yeah. construction phase. Um, a pig set was left behind in the mosque area and Islamization, no tanks, was sprayed on a wall. And there's also a political, uh, political party, the AFD. Um, AFD is a party against Muslims and against refugees. They also um, advertised against the building of the mosque with flyers. And Fulda is a really highly Catholic city. And of course, we invited many Catholic priests to the opening of the mosque. And for example, they all agreed to come. But just a few days before the opening of the mosque, the, the bishop, he forbade all Catholic priests to go to the opening of our mosque. Okay. So, in short, there have been few cases, but the people of Fulda are, in general, very satisfied and happy to have at least one mosque uh, in Fulda and in the, I think. Yeah. Um, How big is yeah, Fulda, the area? Is it is it a large, is it a big town? Is it, um, I know it's a Catholic capital of Germany, so are we looking at a city um, like London size? Because obviously Germany is, is very big, so just to give our audiences some <laughs> idea of how big Fulda is. Fulda is not a big city. We have, I think, 75 or 80,000 people here. Uh, it's, it's not a big city. Yeah. It's, a, so it's a large town city, anyway. Large, large town, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, so, so there was um, a few years ago, there was a quote from a former interior minister that again, as you were saying before I asked you that question, sparked again another huge debate. And he said that Islam does not belong to Germany. Do you think that that is true? And does it reflect the German people's attitude towards Islam? And obviously, Islam, uh, or actually the feeling of religion, has been a part of Germany's culture, especially when you look at the influx from Turkey, mm. even post Second World War, it's been around for a long time. Do you think his his statement was true, or is it? Uh, you know, could you just explain the what you think about that? Yeah, first of all, we have Islam is a religion, a belief, yeah. and Islam is also the second largest religion in the world, and Germany is also the second largest uh, religion. We have more than five million Muslims here in Germany. And I think if Muslims belong to Germany, Islam also belongs to Germany. Because it is Muslims who practice Islam. And um, I think nowadays many in Germany have realized that Islam belongs to Germany. And uh, our Jamaat, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, already has a status in Germany. In Germany, we said, um, status der Körperschaft des öffentlichen Rechts. In English, it is the status of a corporation under public law, which means that we are on the equal level with the church in many states in Germany. So there are, in school, there are some Islam classes, uh, but even if there is no specific Islam class, all schools have discussed Islam in, in, in school, in class. <laughs> but there are still places in Germany where people are against Islam and against Muslims, especially in, in East Germany. Uh, and I think the reason is also that very few Muslims live there in East uh, Germany. Mm -hmm. So the, the people there, they just know the Islamic image uh, 
from the media and never really met a Muslim. So I think it always takes some time to get used to something new. Um, and I remember a few years ago when the Muslims came from Syria, most were very skeptical, but now the people realize that Muslims are also peaceful and that Islam is a religion of peace, love and harmony. Mm -hmm. So I personally think that many have already realized that Islam okay. belongs to that's, that's, uh, That sounds really good that, you know, the Muslims, uh, especially the refugees, they've been, you know, setting a good example mm. uh, because it makes a big impact, of course, um, how yeah. the Muslims, you know, uh, they behave in the country. And of course, because of you know that certain of type of so-called Muslims who you know uh, cause mm -hmm. some sort of you know uh, evil things. It it you know, it, it gives a bad name on on, on Islam. Yeah. Now, I'm pretty sure that you have been you know introducing Islam to the non-Muslims. Um, you know Islam Ahmadiyat. Um, so uh, how was it? Uh, what do the people of your town say? Um, when you introduce them to, to Islam Ahmadiyyat? Yeah, there are, you know, there are many ways to present the beautiful teachings of Islam and especially in a Catholic city like Fulda. I think for me personally it was easier. Um, on one hand, the opening of the mosque has also opened up many opportunities with school classes and other groups coming to see the mosque on a regular basis. For example, uh, in this month, more than four, uh, I think four or five hundred students came here to see the mosque. And uh, our mosque is also the only mosque within a radius, I think, of 80, 85 kilometers. Mm. And it's not just that school classes visit us. I am personally very often invited by schools to give a lecture about the teachings of Islam. and. We have in Fulda a round table of religion. And there are uh, many religions. We are sitting together, have regular meetings, and mm -hmm. we plan uh, new projects together. Um, and also, by the grace of Allah, I got the opportunity to lead some integration seminars in, in the city of Fulda. We have a local TV station where we broadcast several shows a year. So, Alhamdulillah, there are so many ways to spread the beautiful teachings of Islam and over time, more and more uh, ways to open up, Alhamdulillah. Mm -hmm. uh, and lastly, um, it, it, could you tell us how the behavior of the people from the neighborhood is uh, around the uh, Bayt al-Hamid Mosque? Um, how do they behave? Um, how was it, you know, towards the beginning when the uh, mosque was built and how is it now? I'm pretty sure that it's better, uh, but could you tell us a bit? more about uh, how they behave. Yes, yes, Alhamdulillah, I think all neighbors are very pleased with us. In general, everyone in Pula now knows that we have a mosque here. We have an open day twice a year, and there are always guests who tell us that they drive past the mosque every day and always wanted to visit the mosque. And many are also very uh, enthusiastic about the architecture of a mosque. And of course, you know, the, the mosque was opened 2019 and I think in May or no, in, in April, I think April uh, 2020, uh, you know, Corona crisis uh, was there. And during the Corona crisis, it was, of course, the case that we hardly had any guests in our mosque. But we showed the people 
the beautiful teachings of Islam yeah. in other ways. For example, at the beginning of Corona crisis, we sealed, uh, I think, more than 3,000 masks and distributed them free of charge, of course. And we had a neighborhood help. We had various blood donations campaign. And we were praised so much for our actions that we received the integration prize from the city of Fulda. So in the meantime, we have even received requests from our district that they would like to use our mosque for meetings and German courses and so on. And even the district uh, administration takes so much care that they're crying that we get a bus station here at our mosque yeah. and also a zebra crossing in the future. Yeah. So, well, I think that the people here in Fulda and also in the neighborhood are very happy with us. And as I said, everyone here now yeah. has a very good impression of us and of uh, Islam Ahmadiyyat. I mean, that, that, that's fantastic for you to be able to get a zebra crossing and a bus stop as a destination uh, to yeah. your mosque is is brilliant. I mean, that just shows how well you have integrated into the community and that the local council is and affording you that bus stop, which uh, does demonstrate the amount of work that you have done. And also it makes it easier for our elderly people to come and go and uh, attend the mosque um, much more freely as well. That, that's, that's fantastic. I, I wanted to share a little anecdote with you as well. You know, we have this motto, love for all, hatred for none. And one of my friends was traveling to German and obviously they were able to read the words love for all, hatred for none in German. And they sent me a picture and they said, well, I know I don't have to go in. I know this is your mosque <laughs> because, uh, because you see this message everywhere mm. and that's one of our mottos and, and that looks like what you've been demonstrating um, where you are located in your mosque in Fulda that, mm. that sounds fantastic Jazakallah for your time today Imam Ajaz Amitab thank you so um, that was really interesting conversation um, in that we able to where mosques are established especially the mosques of our community hmm. the Ahmadiyya Muslim community the work that they do to establish peace in society and those you know those three fundamental uh, scenarios that you gave that were the fundamentals of a mosque yeah. are being practiced everywhere yeah. and there's no difference exactly. to any mosque you go from Japan hmm. to um, here in Germany and mm. I gave you that lovely anecdote where my friend sent me the picture yeah. uh, it was in German and they knew this is the mosque that mm. I go to the mosque in Hanso of Hanif's yeah I mean uh, it's uh, the mosque is also a place where um, if y you, you'll see that there there will be Islamophobes who are you know very much against Islam and there are even some people and uh, I remember I was watching a video on YouTube that they made a small documentary um, where one uh, KKK member, uh, he shot a mosque and uh, the imam of the mosque was, you know, luckily wasn't, wasn't, you know, leading the namaz, leading the prayer and was, uh, I believe, very close to the mihrab where the imam stands mm. and, of course, behind him, you know, the, the people who pray. And, and, and luckily, you know, he did not, you know, get hurt but then this person, you know, afterwards, um, he realized he did something wrong, and and uh, he actually went to the mosque and you know 
came to know about the imam and the imam sp- spoke to the person like look uh, you know I'm, I'm really sorry I, I shot the mosque etc etc and he said it's it's a, it's it's no worries don't worry um you know i can understand that the lack of knowledge of islam and the things that is yeah. uh, presented in the media because of that yeah. you have a lot of hatred but then you know you're always welcome even you know it doesn't matter if you've shot uh, if you try to kill us or not uh, but you're always welcome and you know eventually uh, i'm not sure if he has become a muslim now mm. or not but mm. you know his heart softened and you know he really said that you know this is true yeah. uh, a religion of god uh, you know that has actually you know turned my heart softer and 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 that's so powerful and i love that story because and also this question of people driving past walking past yeah and they get oh that's a mosque can i go in there am i able to go in there and i can assure all of our listeners if you pass a mosque anywhere around the world and you pass one of our mosques and also if they say love for all hatred for none pretty much you know it's a mosque from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and also it usually says the Ahmadiyya Muslim community anywhere outside the mosque hmm. you'll be most welcome to come in yeah. you'll be most welcome to have a look around and you will enjoy yourself so much yeah. and when we talk about our kind of mosques as well you know before we spoke to Imam Jaz Ahmad Sahib we were speaking about the importance that the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, mm. put on the building of mosques and the attendance of mosques. It was very similar to the attributes of the promised Messiah as well. Yeah, indeed. I mean, the, the promised Messiah, um, uh, we find an example uh, who spent... A good amount, and he was even called Masita by his father. Yeah, I, I, I know. <laughs> just, just explain that further, but I just want to clarify a little bit. When I said promised Messiah, promised Messiah is the Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Gadian, who is the founder of our community, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the founder of the Ahmadiyya yeah. Muslim community, and also um, he's the promised Messiah yeah. uh, who uh, you know all the religions that are waiting for. Um, and and he, as I said, he was a known to be uh, his father used to call him Masitr which means uh, someone who always spends his time in the mosque and and and, uh, and even not just just after his claim to be the messiah but he was before so the the life of a you know of of a prophet um of god is always uh, in a previous life before the claim is always something which we we can learn from and that life tells us that this person has to be a man of God, um, and we know that in in um, in in Qadian, where he was born, um, and where he established the Ahmadi Muslim community, he also established the mosque um, Aqsa, um, um, which was uh, very close to his uh, you know residence, and it was not uh, you know very uh, it, 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 uh, uh, so he established. The Mubarak Mosque as well, uh, which has attached to his residence. So one mosque, which was um, sorry, the Aqsa uh, Mosque was a bit uh, in, a, in, a, in a distance, so yeah. it was not easy to go. And and the the other mosque that he built was the Mubarak Mosque uh, because he wanted to be very close to the the mosque. Um, and uh, eventually, he uh, he built that mosque uh, which was next to his residence. 
and and with this mosque he had the same setup as the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him like like in the holy prophet who used to have a mosque next to his house similarly he wanted to do the same so that he could benefit from the mosque even if it was very difficult to you know travel mm. so so we learn from this that um you know if we want to be connected with god almighty and we, if we want to have that spirituality uh going on then we should try to you know find a house nearby the mosque so we can benefit from it yeah. uh, that that's a great anecdote fantastic i mean we're going to talk a lot more about this and we're going to talk a little bit more about our mosques that we've built in the uk and and obviously a lot more detail and talk to more guests about this so we have been talking about mosques and abode of peace but just before the next hour here's the news of Islam radio welcome back to the drive time show and thank you for staying with us and the topic that we're talking about in the first hour and in the second hour is mosques and abode of peace and we've already had quite a lot of interaction from our listeners across the world who have been coming in with some of their thoughts and processes and most of them are talking about peacefulness serenity and um one of the comments that came through from Rosemus Limska community uh, was feel at peace, feel close to Allah and able to meet other sisters in the community. So kind of uh, summarises what we've been talking about in the first hour. So in the second hour, we are going to carry on with talking about this subject and also carry on talking to some of our guests who have... Um, who are joining us later on in the show as well. And we also have a guest who's waiting to speak to us right now, and we will be speaking to them very shortly. So if you want to get in touch, get in touch in the normal way on 0208-687-7878. And then you can get in touch with us, as you've already been doing, through our social media platforms on Voice of Islam UK. And let's have that interaction and send in some more ideas as to, you know, what is it that and how you feel when you uh, attend a mosque uh, for your prayers and it's really good to have that interaction and we were uh, talking a little bit about you know the importance that was placed on the establishment 
of mosques, both from our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, who is the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And we want to now go into talking about the different mosques that we've established in the United Kingdom and talk about the first mosque in London. But just before we do that, I would like to introduce our guest who is with us, and who is waiting to answer some of our questions that we have for them. So we have Ansar Nargis from Ecuador, which is another international place. We get many people from all over the world joining us today, and she is the president of the Women's Auxiliary Organization in Ecuador. And uh, Sister Ansar, thank you very much for joining us today, and uh, really appreciate it. Thank you. Assalamualaikum. for having me. No, thank you for being able to spend some time with us today. And I wanted to get straight into our questions uh, for you, if you allow us. Under the auspices of His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, may Allah be pleased with him and be his helping hand as always, who is the head of the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community, we are beginning to see the Ahmadiyya lay down its roots in Latin America, and this is including, obviously, Ecuador. And as a Muslim woman, how do you spread the true message of Islam? Um, yes, this is a really important yeah. question. I think um, as Ahmadiyya Muslim women, we play an important role in spreading the message of Islam simply by observing our farda and our hijab. Um, I think that the Western world has made some progress in regards to the acceptance of hijab but over the years, but Latin America is still very much lagging behind. So out on the streets of Ecuador, you won't find any other Muslim woman with a hijab on. I'm very much an alien here. Um, but um, it's funny yeah. because sometimes people assume that my husband, uh, the Murabi Sab, he's from Ecuador, but I don't get that pass. <laughs> but truly, honestly, it's 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 such an honor to get to represent my faith through yeah. my hijab. It's it's a great conversation starter for me. Yeah. Um, I usually get stared at a lot, but lots of people also come up and ask questions. Mm. And I think that talking about our differences is is to learn more is really the only yeah. way we can open up our minds. And um, yeah. this is how we erase misconceptions. So I actually love when someone comes up to me and asks where I'm from, what's on my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, yes, observance of Perda is a form of belief in itself. Yeah. Um, another thing is that Ecuador is a very Christian country. So many people themselves actually make note of the fact that I am dressed like Mary, to be upon her, um, the mother of Jesus, yeah. which is an honor for us as Muslim women because she holds a very special place in Islam as well. Mm. Yes, very much so. Um, do you find that being in the hijab, as you've described, uh, being an alien, meaning that <laughs> you are very easily noticed walking down the street because of your dress, do yeah. you find that when you approach, say, a superstore or going into a building, do people open the door for you? Do they go out their way because they don't just see you, as you describe <clears throat> yourself, an alien, but actually someone very special as well? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. There are lots of people that, yes, I feel like because they're they're in awe or amazed to see a Muslim woman here in this country, they're, they're, some are incredibly kind and, and do go out of their way to open the doors and, and, and just simply come up and start talking as well, which is really nice. <clears throat> mm. And uh, it, like you said, that um, 
you know, wearing a uh, hijab is something which is not common over there. Uh, but and and no. you must have mm-hmm. a lot of uh, they must have a lot of misconceptions about Islam as well because it's it's not something which is, I think, accept accepted uh, in in uh, widely in Ecuador. So, uh, what are the common misconce- misconceptions um, about Islam uh, in Ecuador? And how does building the mosque uh, contribute towards um, um, eradicating the misconceptions against Islam? Oh, yes, absolutely. You're right. There are lots of misconceptions here. It's kind of funny, actually, but also sad. But a lot of people here are unaware that Islam is a religion. They think it's either a country, a culture, or a language. And that's we start <laughs> right wow. from the basics with people here by letting them know that actually it's, it's a way of life. It's, it's a faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and their idea of Islam is actually pieced together through whatever they may have heard on the news or on the media. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them have heard of Islam only in the context of Afghanistan. And so when they come to a mosque, they're actually really surprised to see me, a Muslim woman standing before them, confidently talking about our community and what <coughs> we stand for. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't actually have a mosque here yet. We have a mission house, okay. um, which works very much the same way, but inshallah we can have a mosque one day as well. We hope to build one here. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But yeah, having a mission house is really important for like raising the awareness of the true teachings of Islam. A lot of people are afraid to visit a mosque initially, mm-hmm. um, but once they come in, many people express feeling a sense of instant peace, alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because that, that speaks to, the mosque is more than a place of worship, right? It's also a community center. It's a place where we gather, we pray, we share meals together with our community members. Um, it's a place where we arrange food drives and do a lot of charity work. So I think that the place, the mosque mission house speaks for itself as well when they enter. Hmm. Um, well. And another thing is they, they're, they're always genuinely surprised about is that as non-Muslims, they're even allowed to enter a mosque because a lot of other places of worship here in Ecuador, at least, don't allow visitors of other faiths. Mm-hmm. So they're incredibly happy to be able to give them the chance to see something new, mm-hmm. right? Um, in addition to that, we also offer um, Arabic classes um, in our mosque for people who have just simply interest in the Arabic language. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people who come, they first they simply want to learn the language, but then they begin to show a lot of interest in Islam. And alhamdulillah, we've had some people convert um, enjoying the community here through those classes as well, which has okay, been well. a huge blessing. Okay, that's a that's a blessing. I mean, uh, uh, that means that you know they are very accepting as well. The only problem is that they don't know much about Islam. Um, like you said, mm-hmm. that uh, the majority of Latin Americans are Christians. So, how is the general mm-hmm. behavior of the people living, uh, especially close to the the mosque and the mission house? Um, this is a great question because, of course, you're right. People have no idea. People who have no idea of Islam are going to be hesitant to have a mosque or mission house in their neighborhood, right? So mm-hmm. we have to really work to prove to them that there is nothing to be afraid of here. In fact, this is a place of worship, which is a blessing to have in your neighborhood. Um, so a little backstory here. Actually, we moved our mission houses a little while back earlier this year in February, March, because. Um, we had so Jamaat Ecuador doesn't currently own property here. The mission house is on rented property, so we were struggling a lot in our search for finding a mission house because lots of house owners are not willing to rent out to us for the purpose of making it a place of worship, yeah. and especially not to Muslims. Uh, many people 
told us, many of the landowners, they told us that um, neighbors would be against the mosque being opened here. So sometimes they would just, upon seeing us uh, Muslims enter into the property, would just say, sorry, um, we can't rent this place out to you. But alhamdulillah, uh, back in February, we were able to find a property. Um, and um, the owner of this property, she's a really nice lady. She's well-traveled and has met Muslims before. Hmm. And so she was willing to rent it out. She also had some misconceptions about Islam, but she was willing to talk to us and learn more. And she said that, you know, after conversing with you guys, I'm, I have a different image of Islam. And I'm actually really happy that you have, um, you guys are going to be using this for a mosque. Um, she's happy to have her property used in this way, which is okay, a blessing wow. for us. Um, uh, yes. And then in March, when we were recently new to the neighborhood, we held an open house as well. And we invited a lot of our neighbors. Um, we had over 50 people come and they told us that initially they were afraid of coming in. But we had put up a lot of balloons and signs, which I hope made it more inviting and welcoming for them. Um, and then the feedback we received from them was that, um, as I said earlier, they felt instant peace. Mm-hmm. I think that the I truly believe that the house of Allah speaks for itself. There is a sense of peace that people cannot deny when they enter a place that's based on the true teachings of Islam. So um, I think also a lot of people here have a curiosity for learning. Because, I mean, if you imagine, if you've lived here your whole life in Ecuador and have never really had the chance to travel outside, you won't really get a chance to see and experience diversity in your life. So having a Jamaat mission house in a country like Ecuador, I think, is truly important work for people to get a chance to learn more about the true Islam. And um, now a lot of our neighbors we are friends with, and alhamdulillah, no one has any problem with us. They're they're actually happy to see that this place is being used in this way rather yeah. than in other ways. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for that. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, Alhamdulillah. My, you know, all blessings uh, belong and come from Allah. It's great to listen to mm-hmm. you and explain, you know, how and the work that you're doing in Ecuador. I mean, one of the interesting conversations that I've had with people around the world is that they their misconception about people of Islam because we have this problem and the media really push it. Do you, have an opportunity to meet with people from the Christian faith, like the priests, the fathers, and have they come and visited your uh, mission house um, at the moment? And what's been their kind of feedback? Um, yes, okay, this is a really great question because yes, this is this is a bit of a challenge for us. Mm. A lot of people from um, various, we've tried a lot of um, interfaith events, but those don't come through because people a lot of priests and and um, you know uh, people of higher positions in these places of worship, they're they're usually not open to um, having interfaith events or discussions with other people of other faiths. They unfortunately do not want to do that. But we do have some good friends. Um, we have uh, one priest actually who um, got to visit Josa UK as well in 2000. Um, I think 2019. He got yeah. to go and meet beloved Hazur as well. Um, and he's from an evangelical church, um, and their community as well, he says, is very much, you know, um, outcast and persecuted here. They don't, the rest of the Christians don't like that community because this is a very um, heavily Catholic country. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, there is that. But, um, yeah, so we do struggle to, to get people of, the, the, I think what happens is over time as well, some of the, the, the beliefs, 
about Christianity are have become very cultural here, and so people who do sometimes come to our events like that, or actually they're less they're afraid to come to events, but they're more likely to join our online events and leave some comments, and we'll say things like, you know, um, you guys are going the wrong way. You have to accept Jesus for um, if you want salvation, and sure. we do get that kind of stuff a lot as well. Yes, definitely. But I think. There are also a lot of people in the younger generation who are more interested because they've been fed beliefs um, and they don't really know where they're at anymore and they're doing their own exploration, which Mm. I think is really good. Yeah, and and that's the power of the online meeting and for people can dip their toe into understanding it without making a full commitment. And I think that kind of works. So hopefully we get lots Mm -hmm. of conversions of people from your online events to actually turning up at uh, at the Mission House. And we wish you the very best of luck and may Allah grant you great success Mm -hmm. in the work that you're doing in Ecuador. And one day very soon... You'll have your own mosque, and we pray for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for your time. Really appreciate that. Thank you very much. And Sir Nagres from Ecuador. Thank you. So, you know, before we were talking to our guests, you were explaining very well about. our kind of mosques and the importance of mosques and how the promised messiah also spoke about the importance of mosques but we 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 in the united kingdom um in london have had the first mosque right yes um which is very interesting very very interesting indeed um um, the first mosque um uh, of london um uh, the purposely uh uh, built first mosque was the fuzzan mosque um you know uh uh, commonly known as the London London Mosque, um, and um, this is of course the oldest mosque in London. And this mosque, um, it was integrated by Honourable Sheikh Abdul Qadir, uh, who was a prominent Muslim of that time, uh, a prominent Ahmadi Muslim. And from the day of its integration. The Fazl Mosque has been fully functional, and uh, all the five congregational prayers are offered there. Um, and the headquarters of Ahmadiyya Muslim community also, you know, shifted um, from you know uh, Rabwa to uh, Rabwa Pakistan to the th- this mosque as well. Mm-hmm. When uh, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community moved to London, and this was the the first place where he actually you know uh, resided. And uh, the 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 headquarters uh, started from there, and this um, this was in um, 1984, um, um, and it has housed two caliphs of the Ahmadiyya community, just not one, but even two. Yeah. So, for example, the, the fourth and the fifth caliph, they you know stayed um, at this mosque, um, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, um, till 2003. Uh, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and then after him Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad may Allah be pleased uh, with him um, uh, and, and he also uh, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community he also resided there um, uh, you know during his time mm. Uh, I, I think, you, and then and then of course he moved from there to the the new uh, uh, the mosque that we have, uh, which is the Mubarak Mosque as well. But we'll be discussing about that. As we well will do. Shortly. And I just wanted to add the point as well that this mosque in London 
um, has had so many blessings yes. of having two of our uh, khalifas uh, to spend time at mm. that mosque. The interesting thing about this mosque is that how it was financed. Mm. And one of the interesting things that people may not know is that the mosque and the land, it was financed entirely by the donations of the Ahmadiyya Muslim women in Qadiyan. Wow. And that, and there's, when you go there, I'll invite anyone to, to visit the mosque, you can. Mm. And there was a plaque uh, on one side of the inauguration, the second, about this um, financing of the mosque. So the donations of the women in Gardian that donated to the building of this mosque. Mm. And now if you look at the history of where it's done, it's now housed to Khalifa of our community, yes. which is a blessing in itself. It's, it's, a, it's a great blessing. And um, at least four caliphs have actually visited this, yeah. from the, the second, the third, and the fourth caliph has, has you know, resided there, including the, the, the current caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community. So it's, very, it's a very, very blessed place indeed. I, I, well, so, so that's the first mosque in London. And his, um, his holiness, Hazrat Mirza Bashir al-Din Mahmoud Ahmed, who is the second caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, I mean, he said this uh, about mosques as well. And he said that may mosques be constructed from one end of the world to the other and may the azan azan is the call to prayer yep. that you hear before the prayer starts be heard from every mosque wherever the sun may rise and it may see that the holy name of god is being raised there my desire is that there should be a mosque at every place in the world and when you look at this and you read you read this you see that that is coming to fruition in so many ways Indeed, indeed. I mean, the Ahmadi Muslim community, um, you know, through the missionaries, yeah. uh, through people, you know, uh, of the of the community, uh, you know, mosques worldwide are built, been built, um, and this is an offshoot of Tehrik Jadid. You can say, uh, basically, a plan which was launched by the second caliph mm-hmm. of the Ahmadi Muslim community, may Allah be his helper, in 1934. And His Holiness, um, you know, described Tehrik Jadid as a stepping stone to the establishment of the new world order, um, the new world order of, of of spreading the peaceful message of Islam. Mm. And and this Tehrik Jadid is something that we can dwell on because of the blessings are so much so that we've now can see mosques that have come from all over the world. Yeah. Um, so I believe that Michelle Barton is on hold. Um, uh, she's waiting uh, to speak to us. Um, she is the uh, um, uh, wife of a missionary uh, in Paraguay. Assalamu alaikum and peace be upon you. Wa alaikum Thank you very much for joining us today at the Voice of Islam Drive Time Show. Um, can you explain us how? important it is to have a separate and and safe place for women in mosque because we've discussed this earlier that you know some women they uh, non-ahmadi muslim women they complain that they don't they do not have a, a space to pray and and, and men have given uh, more space or they have only been given a space so how is it uh, how important is it to have a separate safe space for women in the mosques 
Yes, absolutely. Um, Islam is a very practical religion, which is based, you know, not on how things should be in in an ideal world, but in the reality of human nature. And in the time of the Holy Prophet, women always had a place in the mosque, right? So women are absolutely allowed and encouraged um, to come to the mosque, especially in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Um, And so modesty is one of the overriding characteristics of Islam. And if you're familiar with the Islamic prayer, you know that there's many different positions and, and postures that make up the prayer, including, you know, bowing over, um, also known as ruku, prostration. And so as a woman, I know personally, I would be very uncomfortable if there were um, men behind me or beside me. Um, so praying separately for women actually mm. creates a safe, comfortable environment for us, you know, kind of away from the prying eyes um, of men. And, you know, naturally there is an attraction between men and women, but the main purpose of coming to the mosque is worship. Hmm. Um, and remembering Allah. So when men and women pray separately, both are able to focus on God and their prayers and, you know, not on on other things. And, you know, some people may make an allegation that this is a restriction on women, but or, or, or that because men are superior, that's why uh, women have to pray separately. But I would say it's the complete opposite, that hmm. this is actually a restriction on, on men, um, that men are not allowed to enter the women's area in the mosque so that we are able to perform our worship, you know, uh, peacefully and comfortably. Hmm. Um, and if we if we look kind of at our ancestors and our tribal nature, um, it's shown that women naturally group together. So, for example, um, when we lived in tribes, women went to the bathroom together, right? And even now, like today, um, girls naturally go to the bathroom together in groups, right? And um, this is kind of an ex- instinctive um, biology that we have. And even in social gatherings, women are more likely to form groups and interact with each other. So it makes sense that this would be true for prayer also, right? Mm. That we would be more comfortable um, praying amongst other women. So every teaching of Islam has some underlying wisdom in it. And when you really study deeper with an open mind, mm. um, you really understand the wisdom and the depth of Islamic teachings. Mm. Very true, very true. Um now the it, the woman uh, uh when it comes to women uh, they also bring their children as well um and and of course there are ahadith and sayings of the holy prophet where it says that if they're too young and if they cry then you're not you know you shouldn't bring them because it will disturb the other uh, people who come to pray but then th- there is an age where they uh should be coming an an early age um to inculcate uh the that you know the mothers to inculcate their children the true teachings of islam so uh, what connection has that uh with bringing the children to the mosque yeah i completely understand because i myself have a, a young toddler and i know that sometimes it is difficult to take them to the mosque and you don't want to um disturb the prayers of others um but it does make me think of this beautiful example from the life of the holy prophet wasallam. Um, where one time there was a prayer in congregation and there was a woman um, who had brought her baby with her and her baby started crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and the woman was getting anxious. Um, her baby was crying. And what do, you, what do we think that the Holy Prophet would have done? Um, like, what did he do in this situation? Did he kick her out or ban children or ban women with children from coming to the mosque? Absolutely not. He actually shortened the prayer mm-hmm. and finished it quickly when he heard the baby crying. And this was his level 
of compassion and love towards women and children. Um, so even even though yes, we should be mindful, um, so we don't disturb others. Um, but it is definitely important to bring young children to the mosque because um, mosques are a beautiful place, you know, which which give the perfect example of Islamic etiquette and values, not just of prayer and worship, but also social etiquette, mm. um, right? And we know that children from a very young age begin to absorb everything that's around them. So giving them that exposure to prayer in congregation and gatherings where God is being remembered and praised mm. is very important for their moral and spiritual um, upbringing. And, you know, they say, children, do what you do, not what you say. So if we want our children to prioritize God, um, spirituality and religious and moral values, then we have to also prioritize them and, and go to the mosque and take them with us as well. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, two fantastic examples and and a great um, story of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. His example there of shortening the prayer is, is brilliant. I, I just wanted to ask you a similar question that we asked our earlier guest, Ansar Nargis from Ecuador, uh, where you know it again is a very strong Roman Catholic uh, society, and and where also in Paraguay it's eighty eight percent of the population is Roman Catholic. Have you also kind of found difficulties in practicing Islam, and and how have you been able to deal with them? Yeah, so I've been in Paraguay for almost six years. Um, and as you mentioned, majority identify as Catholic. So there isn't a lot of religious diversity there. Um, and as a Muslim woman, uh, I do wear a hijab and a long coat whenever I go out. So um, I think my main struggle has been just getting stared at a lot for being different and dressing differently. Mm. Um, because in Paraguay, people have never met a Muslim. Some people have never seen a Muslim before. Um, so I don't think it's out of racism or out of spite or anything like that, but just out of curiosity. Um, so for me, just being more approachable and smiling at people, um, I found is the best way that helps people to not be scared um, and to even come and ask questions because, you know, we love it when people ask us yeah. about hijab or, um, or Islam so we can clear up their doubts and misconceptions that they might have. More than anything, I would say that I found people to be very respectful hmm. um, towards me. So I used to go on the bus and um, people would get up and give me their seat, you know, even though there were other women around me who were standing up. But for some reason, um, people felt the need to let me sit down, you know, out of respect. Um, and as a country that does have higher crime rates, um, wearing a hijab makes me feel very protected, you know, instead of cat calling at me or whistling at me, um, people will, you know, nod respectfully and say, hello, sister. Um, so so that's the kind of respect that I, I feel like I, I receive. Um, and, and not too many years ago, actually, even Christians, like maybe a couple of generations ago, Christians used to cover their head to go to church. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and because it is a Catholic country, you see a lot of pictures of Mother Mary, and obviously as Muslims we don't believe in, um, you know, made up pictures of prophets or saints, but um, she's always depicted with her head covered. And so explaining that, you know, out of respect for Mary and kind of following her example, this is why Muslim women also cover their heads, it uh, really helps them to understand the hijab better. I think, um, if anything... Um, social media is what gets more, you know, like hate and, and negative comments and things like that. But also there, um, but, I mean, you'll always get trolls on social media, right? But a lot of times just responding with kindness and love, you know, the motto of the Ahmadiyya community is love for all, hatred for none. 
Hmm. So responding to negative comments with, with love and kindness and kind of trying to clear up the misconceptions that people have really does help um, to change their, their minds. Um, but overall, yeah. I think peregrines are very accepting and non-confrontational. And, you know, apart from being stared at a little more than usual, I haven't really faced any hardships there, alhamdulillah. It's really great that you talk about this and, and it's really making me understand, similar to the conversation with Ansa Nagris as well. Um, they see you as a, a, a godly person when you are mm-hmm. wearing your hijab because of them being very mm-hmm. uh, Christian orientated and with not much diversity. Mm-hmm. Do they sometimes consider you as a nun or, or, or do they realize that? You are a nun, but you're a Muslim. Do they get confused, or, or is that a really good opening question or, or an answer to give? Yes, they do, actually. I, I had an experience um, a couple of times recently where I was just walking with with my husband, and um, uh, it was a bunch of kids, actually. They were walking by, and they were like, oh, it's a, it's a monja. Monja is a nun in Spanish. Yeah. Um, and they were like, it's a monja, and that just made me smile. They were sitting a bit far away, but I heard the comments, and I was like, yeah. That's, that's kind of like <laughs> what they would understand. So um, definitely they do sometimes confuse it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think it's a great opening question and it's uh, it's a great way for the bleak. And I think people will recognize that, yeah, maybe we do need to go back to our true teachings and go back uh, to what uh, the religion of Hazrat Isa, Jesus Christ, brought. And obviously what he taught is what we believe in. Exactly. Anyway, so uh, it's a great it's a great mix, and uh, um, so we wish you the best of of, of like. Uh, I do want to ask one question: do you, do we have a mosque there, or is it a mission house where you are? Um, so we have two mission houses in Paraguay. Um, we are hoping to get a mosque soon. So please pray that we yeah. do have our very own purpose built um, mosque very soon. Okay, inshallah we will. And uh, all of our listeners uh, around the world will definitely be praying for a mosque in Paraguay. So thank you very much uh, for for your time, Sister Michelle Baton. Really enjoyed our conversation with you and our listeners did so as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so uh, we are going to listen to a part of a speech delivered by His Holiness Hazrat Mizza Masroor Ahmed, uh, Mialabi's helper, um, uh, at the occasion of the inauguration of Batul Ahad Mosque, which was a a, a, a mosque in uh, in uh, Nagoya in Japan. So let's listen to this clip. The reality remains and always re- will remain that Islam is that religion whose teachings of peace are unmatched in the history of the world. Indeed, the focal point for all Muslims and the direction in which they bow down and worship is the house of Allah, the Holy Kaaba, which Allah has proclaimed as a center of peace and security. Thus, in chapter 10, verse 26 of the Holy Quran, Allah has said that He calls mankind towards the abode of peace and security. Therefore, mosques are built to enable people to join together to worship Allah and to spread peace. 
in the Arabic lexicon, the worship in a mosque and the prayers that are offered are known as a salat. In essence, this term means compassion, benevolence, prosperity, and blessings. Hence, those people who worship according to the true teachings of Islam will never be cruel nor merciless, but instead will be compassionate, loving, and those who desire the best for others and who prove to be a never-ending source of blessings for mankind. True worship is that which saves people from wrongdoing, mischief, and evil, and liberates mankind from the clutches of immorality and sin. True worship is the gateway to God's favor, compassion, and love. When a Muslim meets anyone, the first thing he says is Assalamu Alaikum, which means may God's peace and security be upon you. It is a prayer invoking all types of peace and harmony. Let it be clear, therefore, that our mosques are built with the same intentions and the same objectives as the Kaaba was built, as beacons of peace for mankind and as places where men, women and children can join together to worship Allah, the Almighty, and to spread peace and compassion throughout the society. If every Muslim, and indeed every person, were to fulfill these principles, then the entire outlook of the world would be at, at once transformed. All forms of hatred, conflicts, and grievances would die away and, the, and, be, and be replaced by a spirit of love, sympathy, and mutual understanding. Where Islam has taught Muslims to build and protect mosques, it also guarantees the safety and protection of the places of worship of all religions. Muslims are obligated to protect and respect other religions and their places of worship. Indeed, universal religious freedom is an indispensable and paramount tenet of Islam. This golden principle is enshrined in the Holy Quran. For ten years, the founder of Islam, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, and his followers were persecuted in the most brutal and merciless fashion 
by the disbelievers of Mecca. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah upon him, was forced to leave his homeland and so he and his followers migrated to the city of Medina in the hope, of, in the hope that they would finally be able to live in peace and security. However, the disbelievers of Mecca did not leave the Muslims alone, but continued to pursue them aggressively. They raised an extremely formidable and well-equipped army and waged war upon the Muslims with the intention of finishing Islam once and for all. It was then that the Almighty Allah commanded the Holy Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, to engage in a defensive war. In chapter 22, verse 41 of the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty said that the oppressors did not only seek to destroy Islam, but sought to destroy all religions. And that if they were not forcibly stopped, then every church, synagogue, temple, and the places of worship of all other people would be at grave risk forevermore. Thus, where Allah granted the Muslims permission to defend themselves, it was not given only to protect Islam, but to protect the institution of religion itself. Bearing all of this in mind, those people who fear Islam or who believe that the Muslims may be a cause of increasing disorder should remove all such concerns from their minds. Rest assured, true Muslims will not pose any risk or danger whatsoever. Rather, they will always seek to join hands with the people of other beliefs in an effort to unite society under a banner of peace, harmony, and humanity. So that was an audio clip, part of a speech delivered by His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed. May Allah be his helper at the occasion of the inauguration of the Bathal Ahad Mosque in Japan in Nagoya in 2015, and which is very interesting. And I would urge everyone to listen to the full uh, speech that was delivered on, on that day, which summarize exactly everything we've been trying to attempt to speak yeah. <laughs> to you and talk to our listeners about for the last hmm. uh, two hours uh, from from where we're presenting here, the Voice of Islam, which is another mosque that was also, um, is, is another beautiful mosque, that, and it's also the largest mosque in Western Europe. This is Battle Fatou Mosque, and where the foundation stone of this mosque was laid by Hazrat Mirza Dahir Ahmed Malabi, mm. pleased with him, who was the fourth Khalifa of the Ahmadi Muslim uh, community. And then it was inaugurated by His Holiness, who you just listened to he, delivering his speech um, 
in, in Japan when he laid the fa- uh, inaugurated this mosque. Mm. And then after this mosque, he then also moved over to uh, a place where we in, in Islamabad here in the UK, which is the the Mubarak Mosque where he resides now. So yeah, which which is in Tilford, uh, um, in and and he. Uh, on on the 29th of June, uh, uh, just a few years ago, um, in 2019, the worldwide head of the Ahmadi Muslim community, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadi community, uh, delivered the keynote address at the special reception held to the mark this the 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 opening of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community's new headquarters as uh, in in Islamabad, Tilford, UK. Um, you know, we were discussing about this earlier that. The, the previous headquarter was in um, in Wandsworth uh, in, yeah. in London and then went and, and that got moved to and that moved to Islamabad Tilford uh, this this mosque again is a very beautiful mosque uh, very beautiful and a unique design uh, and many uh, you know people who visit this mosque they uh, they really praise uh, of of the beauty and and the uniqueness of this mosque. At at, at the occasion um, when he inaugurated the mosque, uh, His Holiness reflects on the true nature of uh, integration and the importance of helping the local communities um, in in which we live. Actually, and for around twenty years, um, we held the annual convention, the Jalsa Salana. Um, of the Ahmadi Muslim community here um, at Islamabad, uh, and and an, an event which uh, you know is attended by thousands of people from across the world, um, and from 2005 onwards, uh, the annual convention was moved to a different location, and and that was in Hadikutul Madi, also very close to the uh, Tilford, um, and and His Holiness then further said. And in, in in this, um, you know, when it was integrated, that it would be entirely remiss of me if I did not place on record my sincere thanks to the local residents in this area and to the council who permitted us to hold our annual conventions at Islamabad for many years, and also allowed around thirty Ahmadi Muslim families to live. That's really good. I mean, that is exactly the essence of what we've been talking about all this time. But so just before we start talking about the other mosques that have been established around the world, yeah, um, we have our last guest of the two-hour show and our most important guest uh, who will be able to throw some more insight into our conversations that we've got today. And we're very fortunate to have Imam Mirza Majib joining us today. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Imam Saab, for joining us. Welcome to The Drive Time Show. Thank you for having me. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. May Allah be uh, with you and the peace be upon you as well. I mean, we're talking about uh, many of the mosques that have been established and His Holiness has... Hazrat Masood Ahmed Mala be his helper and said during the inauguration of Dada Salam Mosque that serving humanity is the hallmark of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. I mean, how do you preach this to the people of your neighborhood? A very good question, Hanif. So basically, the history of Southall goes back to 1950s, and that's when the local chapter of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community was established in Southall. Ever since then, we've had many different projects, which include tree planting initiatives, homeless feeding, litter picking, organizing interfaith seminars, and many others. 
have have been undertaken. Now these are all there to establish um, the community in a wider circle and making ourselves open to the public and also for people to come and talk to us and learn from us what we stand for. And I think that is a very important uh, thing that we mm. have undertaken since the 1960s. I mean, that's a, a long time and also probably when the Jamaat was also formed as well because it's quite closely uh, formed with some of the other local Jamaats like Greenford, Hayes and Hounslow and Southall at the time was the main centre um, of the community at that time as well. You, you mentioned a lot about people asking lots of questions wanting to visit Dallas Islam. Do you get a lot of requests for that as well? And, and, and how is that being taken up? Yeah, uh, so basically because the mosque is, um, if you've seen it from outside, you will see it's a beautiful mosque. And people are attracted. And not only that, because we are very um, active on social media. And also if anybody searches uh, mosques nearby me, they'll find, if they're in the close vicinity, they'll find this mosque. And a lot of people, even, even the onlookers or the pastors, they would come, they would want to visit the mosque. Obviously, in the COVID period, we were very limited on what we could do. But now, we are now open. Even just today, before the Zohar prayer, we had somebody who wanted to come and pray. And uh, we allowed him to come. And he we had a quick chat with him. And it was mm. very nice. To, and he was very happy that he was allowed to come and pray in the mosque. So, people are coming. And people would want, people want to know more about who we are and what we stand for and the way we accommodate one of the things that we've really taken up is um, making ourselves very prominent on when it comes to Google mm. and finding us on, on social media so that if anybody nearby wants a place go to a place of worship they can come here and do their prayers and the doors will be always be open for them That's lovely, I mean that just epitomises the beautiful nature of our community and also where Dada Salaam is placed as you mentioned earlier in Southall where there are people from so many different cultures and religions and so many different languages are spoken in the hundreds do you also then arrange frequent multi-faith discussion programs to kind of attract people to the mosques and then do you also get similar invitations from representation from other religions too. Yeah, very, yeah, another very good question, Neve. So we do, we do uh, get a lot of uh, invites and also uh, people wanting to visit and have a program here. And we also host many programs. Very recently, one of the um, very big event that we hosted was the Queen Jubilee, which was well attended, and a lot of uh, different faith leaders were present and uh, very much uh, enjoyed this, the the evening with us. Um, so we we are always on the lookout to do these programs. We get in uh, we get in, invited to their programs as well. I attended a Prakash just literally two weeks ago, where I think there was about ten thousand Sikhs which are were in congregation there. Yeah. It was a huge gathering. It was their little you know jolsa, as you can say. Yeah. Um, so we are very lucky to be in a place where it's such a diverse environment that um, not only that we fit in very nicely. It's that everyone here. And treats you with respect and love and harmony, and basically everyone is trying to work together for the better good. And I think that's what the faith stands for, whether it's Islam, Hinduism, Sikhism, and also one of the other things is a lot of schools are now wanting to visit the the, 
the mosque and mm. we've had many requests from different schools and the students have come to the mosque and visited the mosque and uh, very much enjoyed the presentations that we've done for them and also uh, the mosque itself they find it very beautiful from the inside because it, to remember it is a very new newly built mosque yeah. even though the community was established in 1960 but the mosque itself was inaugurated in 2020 so fairly recent Obviously, we went into lockdown, but now we're fully open. So, yeah, we're all about people coming in and uh, having a look and interfaith dialogue and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Imam Majib, uh, lastly, uh, I would like to ask you before I uh, let you go. Um, we emphasize on building mosques. Uh, the Holy Prophet emphasized, the Promised Messiah emphasized on, on building mosques uh, as well. So why is it important for Muslims to build mosques in and especially those countries where they reside? Yeah, very good question, Zakaria. So there's two aspects of this question. The first is the the, uh, the spiritual aspect, and then the second aspect is the community aspect. I'll take the sp- uh, spiritual aspect first. The reason why we emphasize, or the only Prophet and the Prophet emphasize on building mosques is that so people can come together and pray. And when we come together and pray, we are increasing spirituality and when we're coming and listening to the sermons we're getting better as as people whether it's our morals whether it's our uh, ethics whether it's our spirituality we're learning about our faith and religion whether it's the recitation of the holy quran which is done in the quran in, in the mosque itself so that's the spiritual and theological aspect and then the second aspect is the community aspect which is having a mosque unites people and uh, it doesn't just unite people of one community it's a very good beacon of light for many different communities whether it's muslim community whether it's other communities they have a they have a place where they can go and do things and again mm-hmm. for us as the md muslim community we're very lucky and we we always pride ourselves that our mosques are uh, are for the whole for everyone in the community not mm. just the embassies so we are open for blood drives we are open for other stuff so that that basically gives people the opportunity to have a place which they can a come in practice their religion and b they can come and do their uh, community work which then makes the community stronger mm. and healthier and which is very much needed in this day and age indeed indeed thank you very much for your answer and uh, definitely mosque is a very important um you know tool uh, or a building to build bridges um and especially with 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 non-muslims so thank you very much for your answer and thank you very much for your time thank you for having me Alaikum. very interesting i mean southall most people know southall internationally around the world yeah. as a very multicultural society to go shopping to have some wonderful food mm. and places of worship yeah and our mosque there Dada Salaam is doing a fantastic job in its promotion and I really like the way that Imam Saab spoke about the work that they're doing on social media and on Google Maps to make it a beacon where people come yeah. it's a very clever thing to do I mean it's a very clever thing and and this is how the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah upon you also you know invited others you know he used to do like you know you I think you were saying before that he used to invite people and all these meetings used mm. to happen in, in the mosques um, and he invited them so that they could accept and learn about Islam as well so it's very um, you know uh, it's a very important part of you know being a Muslim yeah. I mean Zakir, time has really 
flown by. Yes. We've got about three and a half minutes to the end of the show, but I wanted you to just give us a very quick glimpse of some of the other mosques that have been built around. We won't get all of them, but some of the uh, important kind of establishment of mosques around the world. Yeah, um, I mean, every year, you know, at the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, uh, through the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, we are building mosques um, over you know, all the continents of the world, pretty much. And, uh, you know, one of the very important mosques which was built um, uh, was the Baitur Rahman Mosque. Uh, this was built in the 29th March 2013 in Valencia, Spain. Um, and this was basically the first, you know, purposely built mosque after, you know, uh, you know uh, the Muslims, uh, they had control over Spain. Uh, and, and and the last mosque that was built there, and in this occasion and at the inauguration of this mosque, uh, His Holiness said that Islam's re-entry into Spain was made through the Ahmadiyya Muslim community when it built the Basharat Mosque. However, today we will only come to see the real Islam flourish in this country when the servants of the Promised Messiah, realizing their significance strive to spread the beautiful and pure teachings of Islam to every single person in Islam in, 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 in Spain so you know his holiness further said that the underpinning all efforts made by the Ahmadi Muslim community to spread Islam was the Quranic injunction that there should be no compulsion in, in, in religion and we know this is you know emphasized that you know we um we emphasize on on peace and there is no compulsion so every person who becomes a muslim becomes through uh through understanding and through love and passion so uh, our the hearts of the spanish people you know uh, may allah give them you know uh, through love may allah um, uh, enter them to the fold of islam ahmadiyyat I think right. we, we don't have much time. We can't discuss too much. But uh, you know, I hope the listeners today they have um, you know benefited from this very important topic on the topic of the mosques, um, uh, which is a, a very important topic and also an invitation to those who are non-Muslims. Sure. That look, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, our mosques are always open uh, for any dialogue for 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 you know. Uh, and visiting as well or yeah. about learning Islam as well yeah I mean I think our mosques have been built tall all over the world now yeah and they are a beacon of truth honesty integrity and above all peace and tolerance yeah so that's the most important thing that we want to kind of get across that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community all over the world continues to stand as an abode of peace and tranquility. And it comes uh, at a time when the world needs people to stand tall and represent Islam in the proper way. Hopefully we manage to do the right justice for you. And thank you very much for listening to us and hope to join us uh, next week. And thank you for our producers, uh, Dada Samin Mirza. Thank you very much. Bye for now.